On this week's Thoughts from the Shade, we will recap and react to the Philadelphia Eagles 2023 draftees and some other highlights from the NFL draft this past weekend. Uh, We'll present some bones to pick of the week. We're going to be heavy on the bones, and we'll look forward to Sixers, Celtics, and talk about James Butler. Let's do it. Let me just welcome everybody back by giving you a go, Georgia Bulldogs. Welcome back. Episode 91 of Thoughts from the Shade. Uh, pretty poor weekend weather-wise outside, but good weekend to sit in and, and watch the draft, take in the NBA, the NHL action. Uh that's going on, but first let's let's bring in the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Bomb. How did you manage uh, this this horrific weekend uh, in the greater Philadelphia area? Well, how do you manage it? I mean, you manage it by just locking in. And first of all, you lock in, but then you have faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. Our general manager, Howard Roseman. They wanted them kicked out. They wanted them gone, G. How did I manage the weekend? Well, here's what I did. I sat on the couch. I turned the TV on. And here's what went through my mind. Trust Howie. Just trust him. That's all you got to do. I think, I think it's it's gotten to that point. Um, he's He's been on fire. Uh, I mean, we're going to get to it all. But I, I just have to preface, you know, the Eagles draft recap by, by saying this is, this is flower hour, folks. You know, uh, more Georgia Bulldogs, uh, bringing in DeAndre Swift uh, for for a cool uh, figure under two million dollars for next year uh, to add add to the running back room. Just on paper, a really solid weekend uh, all around for the Birds, uh, and, and it started Thursday night, knocking it out of the park uh, in round one, selecting Jalen Carter, defensive tackle out of Georgia. Um. At number nine, and, and coming back with uh, Smith. It's Smith, right? Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith at thirty, uh, edge guy out of Georgia, as well. Uh, so Bob, just uh, kind of you you watching the draft, like you see the the chips fall as they go. You know, picks one through eight. What's on your mind as as that's going down, and and your reaction to to the Jalen Carter selection. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, I think we would all agree probably best player in the draft. That's what all the draft the draft the experts have him as. And if you if you turn on any of the tape or or you're a guy that watches college football like us, the thing that stands out is that that kid is a uh, is an absolute stud. Um, obviously, though, I mean, I think there were times during the the season where he looked like he took some plays off, looked like he. Uh, you know, he wasn't all there, and even in the playoff and national championship, like, I don't know that he played a ton. There was he, he looked like he was almost out of shape. But at the end of the day, you're getting a premier athlete. These Georgia players, if, if, you, uh, if you just look at the stats and you're one of these guys that's an NFL guy and then you just look at the stats, um, you know, just, just remember, Marcus Smith piled up a lot of stats at Louisville. Some of these Georgia guys, you know, I think, what, Smith has three and a half sacks. Um 
you know, the big guy didn't have a ton of numbers. But at the end of the day, these guys played team defense. They all in another in another school in another in another university would have been double digit sack guys easily. Um, so I, I love the pick. I mean, it's it's an area where I, I've been begging to let go of Cox for years. You know, hopefully this is his last year. Obviously, great player, solid eagle. You got BG there. Um, you, you could pair this guy next to Jordan Davis for the next five or six years. I mean, I'm fired up, man. It, it's it's unbelievable. I know Davis. You know, didn't play a lot last year, and you know the the naysayers, the detractors. I, I'm a former Howie detractor. I've I've come over to the right side, I think. But you know, I I got some feedback like, oh, well, like, are these guys going to play? Like, because Davis and and Dean didn't play much last year. But like, that's the luxury of the way this team is built. You know, you have the Coxes and the Grams on the back end. You nurture uh, this this young talent. Uh, and obviously the knock on Jalen Carter is, right, the character and, and what what gets this guy's wheels turning and stuff like that. I mean, coming to play for the Eagles, a team that was just in the Super Bowl, playing with all your boys uh, from Georgia and, and learning from veterans and a, a place that has an established culture uh, with old leadership, with new leadership and Jalen Hurts. I mean, if it goes south uh, – it would have went south anywhere. Like if, if it's going to go right, it's going to go right in Philadelphia. Uh, so like, I obviously love the pick and like Thursday night you're sitting there, you know, Bryce young one to Carolina Stroud goes Texans jump back in and, and grab Anderson. You got AR 15 going at four. Uh, and then you get to five with Seattle. And I felt like that was kind of the first spot that Jalen Carter could, could have come off the board. Uh, and they go with Witherspoon, the top corner in the draft and that's when I kind of started feeling like, oh boy, like, you know, th- th- this is going to happen. We're going to get the best player in the draft. And, you know, the chips continued to fall. And it was great to see B. John Robinson go at eight. And the Eagles were not involved. They were not moving up. He comes off the board. And, and that's kind of when you knew. And then obviously after B. John goes, the trade happens. They, they get up and get Carter. And they roll that tape on ESPN, man. Like, I, I got to say. I know we rip broadcasts all the time. Um, that that NFL draft, like it's must watch. It, it's a great night. Like it's it's pretty remarkable that the NHL playoffs are in full swing, the NBA playoffs are in full swing, and the NFL draft is on screen one. Like no questions asked. Even with you know the Riddicks and the Kuipers just spewing away uh, yep. into the night, just just totally killing killing my vibe a little bit, but. Uh, they they roll that tape on Carter, and he's just mauling people. That's that's what I call these kids, these Georgia maulers. I mean, I can't get enough of them. And you you see the film roll after the selection, and it's just like, oh my gosh, we got another dog, man. We're in great shape. So that was kind of my reaction. Just once Seattle didn't take him, I knew it was really in play, and and they got him. And it's just like you know, you put your hands up, you fist pump, you're by yourself, little whisper, let's fucking go. And dude, yeah, that, and this that is- was it. This is this is a Howie Rosen special. Like this is how you just build championship Super Bowl caliber teams is through the guys up front in the trenches. Um, and uh, it's it's just unbelievable that a guy with this kind of talent falls. I know I know there was the character stuff and you know the tragedy that occurred after the national championship related to uh, you know one of his teammates, I guess, and uh, 
and a uh, an assistant there with a, with a car car crash. There was alcohol involved. There was there was absolutely no um, no evidence that this guy was like involved with alcohol or anything. But I know there was some you know information. I guess that he was drag racing, etc. Um, but you know, if you take that tragedy, put it aside. I, the character stuff to me seems a bit overblown because I, I had heard a story where there was a kid who transitioned from O-line to D-line at Georgia, but he was not a scholarship player. So he didn't have, you know, he doesn't have swipes on his card or doesn't have, uh, you know, meal money. And Carter paid for the guy's lunch, you know, every day. So, um, you know, no one's telling the guy to do that. He He heard that and took care of it. So, you know, this stuff, this bad teammate stuff, I mean, obviously, you know, you're in your, I mean, tragedy would occur down there. I'm not minimizing it, but, um, you know, it, 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 I don't think it, I don't think it portends to like a bad guy in the locker room, I guess you could say. Right. Yeah. Coming out of Georgia and, and, and winning those championships and, uh, there, there have been, uh, a lot more severe, Again, not downplaying, but a lot more severe things that have happened to to athletes that have maybe gotten off of the hook or got gotten a second chance. So he's a kid. Uh, he's a monster, and like you said, you you're going to hear more about the bad than the good. And uh, you know, we're just we're just going to roll with it and and enjoy getting you know the the blue chipper of the draft. And then uh, you know, I didn't stay up. I'm going to be well, totally see, honest. Before before we move on, I mean, I hate to you know because we. You know, I don't want to minimize the tragedy or anything, but if there was ever a guy who could take over for Connor Barwin and Jason Kelsey and like be the face of the I Sept the Philly campaign, I mean, let's, I mean, this guy would be the perfect guy. I mean, get him on the side of the buses. You know what I mean? Take Septa. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt there, but go on, go on. No, no, I'm just, I'm just getting, getting to the, to the second pick. Another Georgia Bulldog, Nolan Smith, the edge, edge rusher out of Georgia. And I, Full disclosure, I, I couldn't stay up. We we had an early tea time Friday morning. It was going to be the only opportunity to play golf this weekend with the weather, so had to get out. Don't worry, G. And I stayed up for you. That, that's you know that's why we're a team here. That's why we're a team. Uh, we we got it done. But I woke up to the news that we got Nolan Smith, who I believe you know a lot of people had in their their top ten or top fifteen overall. The Eagles nab him at thirty. Again, another guy in the trenches, uh, critical position, pass rush, uh, just bolstering that, you know, re- reloading, re- uh, getting younger, retooling, just a beautiful thing. I mean, any, any thoughts on Smith uh, himself? I mean, the guy's an absolute monster, and, and I think the knock on him was, was size, and then there were some injury concerns with his pec, uh, like a torn pec. Obviously, you know, was nicked up during their championship run here this year. Um but my God, I mean, you think about the impact that Hassan Reddick had on the Eagles season this year. He just piled up numbers in that defense and that scheme. You know, basically just just running around the the tackle. Um, and you think to yourself, you know, you got a guy like Hassan Reddick. I think it was three years, forty five million they got him for when they signed him. So now you're in year year two. Um, you know, get get a year of tutelage with uh, with Nolan Smith. You know, te- teach him the the fine arts, so to speak. Bring him up to speed, and then uh, depending upon what the number is, you know, what's the decision in year three? What's the decision if you if you play that contract out? Now you got a ready made guy, um, but it's it, it's just 
I mean, Howie Roseman, this was just a masterpiece. I mean, even even the linemen from Bama, they draft these guys a year before they need them. Minimum of a year before they need them. And then they and then basically they bring them along, develop them, and, and it's next man up when whenever the guy in front of them has to leave. So it's it's just I mean, these two picks, Carter, Smith, even the lineman from, from Bama, obviously, a, you know, a lineman from Bama other than uh, Leatherwood, shout out Meech with the Raiders. Uh, they're typically pretty reliable. Um, but they find these guys that not only can come in and make an impact, but they know will come in and develop. And I think that's the key difference. The Eagles don't view these guys as finished products. You know, you come in and you work with uh, with Stoutland, um, you know, on the O-line. You come in, you work with a BG, you work with a – a Fletcher Cox, uh, you'll, you'll learn the, the tricks of the trade and keep it moving, man. I mean, this franchise is, is unbelievable. And, uh, you know, they use the term gold standard back, back, back before the Super Bowl during the Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb era. Uh, I think, I think it's finally time to break that term back out. G this is the gold standard. It, it, it certainly feels like it, uh, you know, can always get off course but but right now you got to enjoy it you got to got to call it what it is but I mean you could argue that that maybe CJ GJ is the biggest loss the Eagles off season uh but I think Javon Hargrave is, is probably right there if if not number one and you look at Jordan Davis uh and, and Jalen Carter kind of stepping up stepping in fill, filling that void and and for much less money on rookie deals it's it's just totally incredible and he he goes and gets what three four years for 85 mil in, in San Francisco like San Francisco's the biggest competition in the NFC right now, and like we're just we're gonna throw them like you know our hand me downs right now. Like okay, you you can have this guy. He he did good for us, and you know maybe he's got something left in the tank. But we're bringing in the new kids, the new blood, and uh, for much cheaper. The guy who the guy who called that out the best was was I mean one of our chief competitors, Michael Parsons. Did did you see the video, G? That was unbelievable. I know we've kind of talked about it before, but like, how how can he go out and talk like this about the Eagles as a cowboy? I mean, this guy wants to be an Eagle. He loves the Eagles. He loves them. And AJ Brown, come on over, man. Come on over. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's insane. I don't know. You know, if pe- if people didn't see it, I think they were on the one of the alternate broadcasts for the draft, Parsons and. They brought in A.J. Brown after the Carter pick, and Parsons is like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Like, this team is loaded. Just totally, you know, stroking off the Eagles. <laughs> it's humble. It really is. Like, if those roles were reversed, it would be hell to pay for that player. But I give I give Parsons a uh, a lot of credit. I mean, say what you want about the guy, and not that you want your your player saying those kind of things, but, like, at least the guy speaks his mind. I mean, and he and he's and he's and he's right. He's not wrong. So he's not sugarcoating anything. He said what you just said, like the ability to replace Hargrave, who just got paid eighty five million, with a guy who is going to be on that caliber for twenty million. He's like that is unbelievable. It's fantastic. It's it's Howie's world, and we're all just living in it. I saw like stuff online today that all the other GMs are complaining about how much praise Roseman is getting. It's it, it's simple. It's like anything else, you know. If, if you're not happy about somebody else getting praised, play better or work harder or do better, right? So it's the guy. The guy is just he's he's running the show right now, and everybody kind of knows it, which is which is pretty crazy. Um, but we talked obviously with with DZ last week, and I think he nailed 
you know, a lot of the stuff that we talked about, the Bijan situation, kind of the team needs versus like how, how they build the team. And when he talked about the needs, he talked about, you know, linebacker and, and safety and the Eagles fill that void, um, you know, moving around to, to pick back to back in the third round, obviously picked up Tyler Steen. You talked about the, the guard from Alabama, uh, but they pick up this Sidney Brown out of Illinois and another guy that I think, you know, was rated higher than where he went. And that Illinois defense uh, was one of the better defenses in the country the la- last year and, and maybe the last two years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I, I think that's a great pick. And then they, they go and get Kaylee Ringo at, at 105, another Georgia Bulldog, a guy that shined under the brightest lights with the, the infamous pick six in the national championship game. Uh, you know, I, I don't need to go into to Tanner McKee, uh, or the D tackle at two forty nine, like I think it stops at Ringo. But uh, I mean, for for those top five picks, and and DZ talked about, you know, picking four or five times in the top one hundred for the first time in however many years. Like I I don't think they missed on one. Yeah, and obviously e- easy to say here. You know, two days after the draft or a day after the draft, and you never truly know until a few years later. But um. You're right. I mean, it, it is it is astonishing. It's astonishing that this guy, Howie Roseman, was given the, the leash. And you know what? I, I kind of wondered. We even wondered at the time when we were talking about Jay Jaw and Rager. You know, how much of this stuff was truly Howie? How much of this was more of like, we, need, we have this need. We got to go find this guy. It seems like the Eagles... And I think you may have to give some of this credit too to Sirianni because he's like a very simple guy. Keeps it very simple. I don't mean like simple as in dumb. I mean like he just he just boils things down very simply. They seem to try to take the best player. And when you take the best player, um, you're going to have a pretty good football team. Yeah, it certainly helps the, the position that they're in. They're already a pretty good football team. We said they were a good roster last week. And then when you're set up, like that you're set up to just draft the best players whereas all all these other teams that are in the middle of the road or the bottom dwellers like they're looking at positions and and reaching for guys and trying to fill holes for for next year whereas we're just trying to fill holes for the next 10 years with with some of these picks so it's pretty remarkable but um like you said a master class from from your boy you got to give him his flowers and I I think I said at the top of of the recap like this this is flower hour man like great draft great time to be an Eagles fan I don't have any other thoughts uh kind of on the Eagles selections at this point uh if you want to move on by him I don't know if you have anything else I got a couple more thoughts (laughs) not on the selections but on like the you know because the thing that's always funny this time of year is like what is the draft what does the war room look like you know what I mean and you, you remember a couple of years ago, I guess it was during COVID, so maybe they didn't have as many guys, but like how he was going around dapping everybody up after the Milton Williams pick. And one of the scouts was like losing his mind because he didn't want him or he wanted somebody else. Well, I think Howie's consolidated his grip on power because now it's like it's Howie sitting next to Lurie. Sirianni's at the table on the caddy corner. And then all the lackeys are standing on the back wall, just standing there like, like like bodyguards, and then how he pick how he turns around and goes, the pick is this, the pick is that. Literally says the name, and then everybody just goes, great, great, great. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, no 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 daps, no no room for uh, for any mishaps or, or disagreements in the war room anymore. But yeah, those those calls are fantastic. You know, all, all the teams do them, and 
uh, you know, you, you you can be a little sentimental watching this draft, seeing these kids, you know, their their life dream coming true, and you know, making it big for their family. It's you know, that's you know, we love the draft because we're killing it, and we have a great team, and we're improving our team. But like, you got to love it for like the human aspect too. That that these kids are, are are having a dream come true and can take care of their families. It's unreal. Yeah, and I I think one of the reasons why the draft always stands out, I think too broader you know america and football fans in general is um it seems like you know football and pro sports are like one of the last true meritocracies in you know in the united states and to see like literally not that everybody can be a pro football player or you know what have you but you know at the end of the day the guys who are getting picked are guys who worked hard and it's it's I think it, I think that's why there's almost this like to your point you know you, you, you it, it's hard not to get emotional and see these guys' lives change because you know not not that I have any idea being a, a Division two bum but like uh, <laughs> but the concept of like the amount of work these guys had to put in 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 middle school and high school and college and you know people think that 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 one day you know you made it well no really it was the the work these guys have put in over the last probably fifteen years. So it's uh it's it's really really cool to see. Yeah, and you know to do it at a young age, obviously, you know these guys are playing before they're driving and and stuff like that. So it it's a it's a team effort, it's a family effort, and uh, you know the draft kind of rewards all all of that together. So it's it's a heartwarming thing, even though we don't do much of that here on TFTS. It, it warms the heart to see see dreams come true. One last thought on the draft. What did you think about Jeff Lurie's comments? I mean, I almost fell out of my chair, G, on when he was on the phone with one of one of the guys. I guess Nolan Smith. What did he What did he have for him? So you might recall how he called him, and he goes, "It pains me to kill, you know, uh, to take another Georgia player as a Florida guy." And Nolan Smith goes, "Well, you want to win. You want to win, don't you?" And then Sirianni gets on. He goes, "I love that quote. I love that quote." And then and then they hand the phone over. I'm going to hand you over to the owner, Jeff Lurie. Hey, Nolan. Hey, Nolan, welcome to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then his quote was, we're used to working hard and we win big, just like Georgia. I mean, I was ready to run through a fucking wall, dude. I was so jacked up. That's your owner. That's your owner. That's, that's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I did catch that. I just kind of forgot, you know, who, who it was for and everything. But I'm glad you pointed that out because, that's what we need. It, it, it's April. Like we need something to get fired up, something to give you chills down the spine, right? And and that that's it right there. That's that's part of one of the reasons we we love the draft too. It's that's just fantastic, you know. And and how he talking about confetti, you know, we're we're used to confetti and stuff like that, dude. It's just fucking, it's awesome. Like Georgia's the class of college football right now, and and even though they lost in the Super Bowl, like the Eagles are certainly treating themselves as the class of the NFL and still kind of ascending. So we'll have to see what happens with these picks. We're happy now. We could be bitching in the fall or bitching in three years, but I don't think so. Not not with the Georgia Bulldogs, man. The champs, the winners, uh, Kirby Smart getting these guys ready for the show. Uh, let's do Bones to pick uh, of the week. Just a quick reminder, you can follow the boys, the show, TFTS on Instagram at Thoughtstrom, the shade, uh, and on Twitter at TFTS pod. Let me go first on bones to pick this week, bomb, because we are talking draft. My bones are are kind of with uh, the draft, and and yours, you have two as well. Um, 
you know, one of yours is draft related, something that got brushed under the rug, uh, and then something at the Phillies last week. But uh, my bone to pick this week is just with, you know, all the draft experts uh, locally and nationally. I just don't think, uh, you know, these people are, are totally credible. And, and I think that they feast on the fact that, that readers, viewers, fans uh, are interested more in the, the fun ideas uh, than the real ideas. And I'm mainly talking about uh, the B. John Robinson hype that we heard the last two to three weeks. Um, I heard folks on 97.5, the fanatic uh, from national stations and, and national outlets coming on and saying, my pick is B. John Robinson for the Eagles. It's a, it's a home run. Um, I saw articles on Thursday morning uh, from folks in the local Philly sports media saying, here's why the Eagles will select B. John Robinson. Um, and why he will be an eagle and a great fit and all this. Uh, you heard it here on TFTS, and you heard it from Dave Zingaro. I mean, give Dave a ton of credit because there are so many people in this city, and like I said, nationally, uh, that just want to fire people up and, and, and plug a hole like some of these awful GMs throughout the league, uh, where Dave, Dave came on and he laid it out perfectly, right? Bijan would be fun. He fits an immediate need, but that's not how the Eagles build a team. And you saw exactly what transpired uh, throughout the weekend and, and how the Eagles drafted. And then they end up trading for DeAndre Swift, a guy on a one-year deal making less than $2 million. Uh, you know, can he stay healthy? I don't know. But the Eagles have Rashad Penny, who is a huge get. Uh, they still have Scott. They still have Gainwell. Uh, and, you know, it's not expensive. There's not a lot of long-term commitment. And the Eagles have had success in the last five or so years with – uh, a stableford of, of different running backs. So, like I said, my bone to pick is just with, with these draft people uh, and, and hyping everybody up and, and for getting clicks and, oh, Bijan to Philly and he's electric. I mean, they talked about this guy like he was Barry Sanders. Um, and I, I don't think he's the best running back prospect in, you know, the last five to ten years even. Uh, and, and he was talked about. Like he was a god. Uh, you know, I don't think he's better than Saquon Barkley. You heard DZ last week. Didn't compare him to McCaffrey, really, or, or have him on that level. Uh, and, and these people just shove it down your throat for, for three weeks leading up to the NFL draft that it's all about Bijan. And that's what all the talk was, was about in this city. Uh, and I just think it's unrealistic. It's not fair to the fans. Um, so that's why we're here, you know, to, to bring guys like DZ on, keep it real, because – he knows how the team's going to be built. We're, we're Howie Roseman fans here. We know how he's building the team. And he was never going to pick Bijan. It was highly unlikely. It didn't happen. Um, and it was just forced down our throat for, for three weeks to a month, and there was never really a chance. That's a great bone, G. And I, uh, one of our loyal listeners shot me a text when the when the Falcons took Bijan. And, you know, I'll paraphrase here, but the text said something along the lines of um, – you know, good, let the Falcons take him and they can hang his number in the rafters when he retires after not winning a fucking Super Bowl. You know, the point being, these guys can be good players. They could be franchise players at those positions. But you're not going to win anything with, with a Bijan Robinson. You're not going to win anything with a running back as a highly paid guy on your roster. Year in and year out, that's proven. Yeah, this is the NFL. It's, it's not college football where – 
a guy like that can carry you to to success. And it really doesn't even happen in college much anymore when you look at the the Bamas and the Georges of the world. So it's just unbelievable. And just to kind of to to branch off of that as well, um, the hype around Will Levis. Like the, these these NFL draft insiders and, and analysts, these people get paid big money to talk about this stuff and to do mock drafts and to evaluate guys. And, oh, I watched I watched his tape and, you know, he reminded me of Brett Favre or, you know, Joe Mont. Like, come on, man. Will Levis couldn't beat out Sean Clifford for the starting job at Penn State. He had 23 interceptions, I believe, his last two years of college football. Um I felt bad for the kid watching him on draft night. They kept panning to him on ESPN, and you could tell he was sweating. I felt bad um, for his sisters. They looked pretty lonely. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, dude, he he's listening to this noise throughout the whole draft process, and, oh, he could go at two, he could go at four. He's, he's Mel Kuyper's number one best available when, like, the Colts are on the clock at four taking AR-15. Kuyper's got him best available, Will Levis. I mean, what, what what are we doing here? And the poor kid has to sit there and sweat it out. He's he's in the building. He's got his family there. Uh, you know, maybe part of that is on him. And, and there were whispers that he was going to drop, you know, leading up to the draft. I did hear that as well. Um, but he was talked about as, as, as a surefire, like, top 10 pick for much of this draft cycle. And a, a, as a guy who watches Penn State, a guy who watches college, I never saw anything. I never saw much out of most of the quarterbacks in this class to make me think that, you know, they're they're franchise guys, yep. long-term franchise guys. Um, but this Will Levis was, was, you know, an afterthought for me the entire time, and he got built up to be a top-ten pick. Yeah, and you have to wonder why that is. I mean, it seemed a little bizarre to me the type of um... – groundswell of support that he had from the the draft quote-unquote supposed draft experts I mean Mel Kuyper sounded like he was like Will Levis's father the way he talked about him I mean it was a little bizarre um so you heard this here first this may never come out this may never come out publicly this may not even be illegal okay so let me just call that out but do you remember back uh, a few years ago when, like, Lori Lachlan, the, uh, you know, Aunt Becky from Full House, got pinched in the uh, the college recruiting scheme? I don't. So there was a college recruiting scheme where, like, basically she took her daughter to go take, like, pictures you know, in a fucking crew outfit rowing a boat. And they paid a middleman who then got the gets the kid recruited Long story short, it, you know, it's a workaround to kind of get into some of these more prestigious institutions. So they, it's a pay-to-play scandal. So basically, they paid money. The daughter was able to get into USC. There were a bunch of parents implicated. You know, none of these kids were actual players, really, you know, of any stature. But you have to ask yourself, right? Like a guy like Mel Kuyper, he works what? Two months, three months out of the year on ESPN? Does he have another consulting company for, from which he draws income? Not that I'm aware of. Where's the IRS? I want to look into this. Where, because if his if he's paid a year long salary for ESPN, but he works three or four months out of the year, uh, that's a little odd. But I wouldn't be shocked if these guys have another holding company, and the parents of some of these draft kids pay to have an expert opinion on their son. Uh, where, where do you think Will's going to go this year? 
here's a $50,000 retainer to tell us where Will's going to go. Where do you think Will, where would Will be a good fit? What kind of housing could Will fit into in Indianapolis? Should he live in a condo or a high rise or, and, and, you know, presumably Kuiper's got all the guys. Yeah, we got a housing guy out there in Indy. So I wouldn't be shocked if this stuff is a little less, uh, how we call it, uh, on the up and up than uh, it appears. You know, I don't understand how you wake up one day as a draft expert of 30, 40 years and you're a fucking Will Levis guy. I mean, you said it yourself. He couldn't beat out Sean Clifford and now he's going to be a top five pick. Come be a fucking break. Yeah, it's, dude, it's it's crazy. Um, and I guess the the last leg of the bone, I kind of just thought about it now. You know, I, I mentioned the, the ESPN broadcast with with Riddick and, and Kuiper, and I think Booger was up there, and I, I I like Booger. I think Booger does a nice job. But did you notice uh, when Bryce Young got picked to, to Carolina at one, how long and extensively they talked about the setup with the Carolina Panthers? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm glad you're bringing this up because I had a – oh, I want to jump through the TV screen. And Frank Reich, uh, and I think Jim Caldwell is on the staff, who was like a loser with the Lions. Uh, like, and, and I'm not insulting, you know, Jim Caldwell, like personally or anything. I will like, fuck him. He sucked. Yeah, Go like on. not, not, not a, not a upper tier coach or guy by any means. I mean, they talked about him going to the Carolina Panthers. Was like him going to. Uh, you know, the 2008 New England Patriots. It was unbelievable. I couldn't get the phone out quick enough, G. I was trying to take a picture of the the chart. You know how they always have, like, the coaching trees and the all the tree. Andy Reid has the big tree. You know, you always see it with, like, Al Michaels. And Al will talk through it. Then you, you, you know, get your phone out. You take a picture. Well, you're right. They had that for Frank Reich. Who was on the fucking chart? Nick Foles! Where's Woods? They had <laughs> Foles on the chart. They gave him credit for Foles, and they didn't take away credit for Wentz. I was disgusted. I, I you know, with all due respect to Bryce Young, a uh, great player in college. I wish him a lot of success. I, I wish him luck. But pal, you're gonna need it because Frank Reich fucking sucks. Yeah, it, it it's just like it's almost like um, propaganda the the way that they talked about the setup in, in Carolina and. It just goes back to the mocks and the hype, the Bijan hype, the miss on Will Levis, and then talking about how everything is so rosy and great in Carolina, and it's just a great place to go to succeed. I mean, why are they the number one pick? I know they traded up, but what did they have, nine? Or, you know, they were in the, the bottom uh, third of the league or whatever. Like, they're not set up for immediate success. And maybe I'll be proved wrong. Um I want to hear the truth. And I know you, you don't have to be like us and like, you know, maybe rip into guys. I know you're on TV and you're a public figure and everything, but like you you can't piss on my back and tell me it's raining that the Carolina Panthers is like a premier setup to, to go and be a quarterback. I mean, they haven't had the same quarterback for more than a year uh, since like Jake Del Home or, or Cam Newton. Yeah. And it's not like Reich is able to turn around and hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor anymore. He doesn't have the uh, the big guard and uh, you know from Notre Dame anymore. So you know you're right. I mean they they piss on your back. They tell you it's raining. It's it's disgusting. I just I just thought that 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 build up uh, after the first election was was a total joke and, and laughable. I was I was cracking up. I was like this is this is an actual joke. But I digress. Uh, you have bones to pick this week, and I think. 
I don't I don't know if this will be talked about. We're recording Sunday. Uh, we're get, getting out ahead of it. I don't know if this will be talked about in Philly this week on the airwaves. It's going to be talked about here, and I think it's very crucial uh, and important because something was announced about two minutes before Bryce Young was selected number one to the Carolina Panthers, and then it was never really talked about, and I'll just turn it over to you to, to let it rip. Yeah, and I, I, to be clear, I, it's not like I've done a deep dive into this. I, I saw it, and, I, and then I and then I did a very shallow dive, and then I have my initial thoughts on this entire thing. So the Philadelphia Eagles and the the Arizona Cardinals swapped picks at the behest of the NFL. This was decided by the National Football League as compensation. I believe what G four, was it fourth round? They swapped picks. Yeah, it was it was like mid mid to late round swaps. It was I wouldn't say it was a significant thing. I think the Eagles got two picks and gave back one. I think they you know moved up a little bit, but nothing too significant. And it comes out that there was a, a tampering that took place during an illegal contact period after the NFC Championship game. So as people know, right, like these teams that are in the playoffs, the the assistant coaches obviously are individuals who are highly sought after by many of these downtrodden organizations but when you're when you're in the playoffs generally speaking it's a it's a quiet period and you want to uh respect that and give the team your all and uh, that did not occur in fact Jonathan Gannon was actively talking with the Arizona Cardinals in the lead up to uh the Chiefs and Eagles Super Bowl in Arizona to make matters worse and um so that, that draws into question a couple things. Number one, what did the Eagles know when they knew it? Or did they know it? Because there was a perception that they offered him more to be a defensive coordinator, to stay and be D.C., than to be the head coach of the Cardinals. If that's accurate, why did the Cardinals offer him a contract that was lower than the annual value of a defensive coordinator position? Thirdly, is it possible that the Arizona Cardinals in collaboration with George Toma, in collaboration with the league, knew what those field conditions would look like. On Sunday, a literal slip and slide, in an attempt to artificially depress his salary. So there's a whole multitude of things here. I'm not even talking about the game plan. This guy wasn't prepared. He had no adjustments. Clearly, he didn't watch any film. He didn't do any... Any study of his own defense after we found out that the Chiefs scored twice on two touchdowns on a concept that Doug Peterson ran back in the rain game, another wet game down at the goal line. So he did no, he did no self-study. He did no self-scout. He had no adjustments. The defense was putrid. There are a lot of questions here, okay? And the league, as always, sweeps it right under the rug. Two minutes before the first pick, Oh, they swap picks. They act. They oh, I guess they had a they had a phone interview with JG. You know, uh, right after the NFC Championship game. No, 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 no. There's more to this than that. Okay, the game was in Arizona. He was left in Arizona. The field conditions were shit in Arizona, and he signed a contract that was less than what the Eagles were offering him to be a defensive coordinator. So I need to get to the bottom of this. I don't hear anybody fucking talking about it. I feel robbed. Dude, it's so bad. Just to think that, that your DC as you're heading into the Super Bowl was more concerned with landing a head coaching job. There was reports that he was giddy 
after the Super Bowl to to go, you know, I guess to stay in Arizona. Um, and and like you said, I, I think he was told to to knock it on the plane, and it it makes sense now. Uh, but it's just unbelievable that that gets announced two minutes before Roger Goodell comes out with the first pick. Uh, and there, there's no details, uh, you know, tampering incident, couple pick swaps, and, and that's it. And it wasn't talked about on ESPN at all, really. I saw it on social media. It wasn't talked about at all when it was when it when the trade went down. So what what incident led to a greater competitive advantage? Let's let's talk about two things. One issue, which was the talk of the league for probably six months. And another issue, which they announced two minutes before the draft and never will speak of again. Um, Patriots, Colts in Foxborough. Temperature drops 30 to 40 degrees mid-game play. There's an insinuation of cheating. We talk about PSIs in a fucking football. After walloping a team by 30 points, that same team goes on to win a fucking Super Bowl during a time in which every football was monitored for PSI. We talked about that for the entire summer and suspended the quarterback for four games. Okay? That's that's example one. Example two, defensive coordinator of a historic defense with a historic number of sacks can't get home to the quarterback in the fucking Super Bowl, gives up loads and loads of points, loses a lead. All good here. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. And then he goes to Arizona and he's rip, ripping Philly, the fans, the media, um, talking about how they, they wanted him fired when they were 9-0. and They were never 9-0. and They were 8-0 and, and then they were 8-1. and Nobody, no, no media member said that they wanted him fired. He said the media wanted him fired. So, Some fans did. And in retrospect, in might retrospect, have been better off. were they wrong? <laughs> Historic defense. One of the guy can then might have been right, but it's just it's it's just so odd and, and it's disgraceful and, and and painful. Like it almost like reopens the wound. It was bad enough that his defense was so bad, and then you learn of this tampering shit. You know he wasn't locked in at all in the Super Bowl. Like you could have a Super Bowl ring, bro. You're more worried about coaching probably the worst off franchise in the NFL right now. And you got to look to what CJGJ said about the guy after the game, too. We didn't make an adjustment. We weren't prepared. We weren't put in a position to win. That's what he said. You remember that hit? He came down into the box and slammed one of the Chiefs. Remember that big hit that CJGJ had? It was like in the fourth quarter. That was the only time they brought him down. He basically said we weren't put in positions to succeed in this game. That's that's all I need to know. They played a shell defense because this fucking prick knew he was staying in Arizona. I didn't give a fuck. We're going from JG pulling up, uh, you know, in the Yukon or whatever the hell he was driving, the, the Range Rover, to we're going to fucking gut these guys, to, to now the city of Philadelphia. JG, your public enemy, number one, we're going to fucking gut you, pal. They come in this year, by the way. They do? They come into the link. Oh, that should be good. That <laughs> should be real good. They'll, they'll, I don't know. The NFL schedule I saw today is coming out May 11th, Thursday, May 11th, I believe. So we'll find out when. Um, but if it's late in the year, you know, they'll come in with, with two or three wins. And you know Nick S. and Howie will be involved getting ready to, to, to pound them. 
So yeah, if I wasn't on the home sideline, my right shoulder would be loose. I'd be getting it loose in the parking lot to throw something at this fucking prick and his stupid A-frame hat and his dumb elfin shoes that he wore in the coach picture. There's reports. I don't know if you read this. There's reports the Eagles are furious about this. Did you hear that? Because I don't think yeah. they knew the full extent of what occurred. There, there were reports that they are fucking pissed. I did read that as well. It'll be interesting to see what what comes out. You know, the league and Arizona and JG will try to you know tamper it down, kind of like Tahoma Thirty One did to us. Um, but hopefully, the Eagles are out for justice, like TFTS was on the side. Absolutely. But I'm in. I'm. I didn't mention this, but I'm also interested to see and and not to you know keep going on and on. But uh, another former Eagles coordinator, now head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Shane Steichen. An AR-15. I'm interested to see that. I, you know, he, he's got a similar. I don't know, you know, character-wise, how he is, uh, but you know, similar build uh, and and physical traits as maybe a Jalen Hurts, big arm, you know, mobile, and then Steichen, you know, got got a lot out of Hurts. Can he? Can, can something get cooked up there with AR-15? I think it would be fun. Yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, it could be fun. It'll never work. I'll tell you why. The kid didn't play a ton of college football. I think he started 13 games. Hurts, when he was at Bama, started a ton of games. Then, obviously, Tua took over. And then um, he went to Oklahoma. He actually went to Oklahoma at the behest of Saban. Saban told him to go to Oklahoma. Because he asked him what his goals were, what he wants to do. And he said, well, if you want to throw the football, you got to go to Oklahoma. You want to be surrounded by playmakers. You want to show off what you can do, you go to Oklahoma. So, I don't know. Steichen... He's another JG-looking guy, A-frame hat, no chin, little nerdy-looking dude. I just don't have any faith. I mean, AR-15, I mean, I want that, that do, do, doofus-looking Colts, Colts uh, uh, mascot. If we can give him, like, a rifle in his hand and just run around and just, like, aim it at the other team when anytime AR, like, scores a touchdown, I mean, that would be, be electric. Oh, boy. Why yeah. not? No, I mean, I don't think he's like a a big time prospect. You mentioned the the small sample size and everything, and you know, I think he completed just over fifty percent of passes and stuff. But it just in terms of like hypotheticals and and what 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 could work out, and what couldn't. Like if that did work out, it and it was similar to what the Eagles are doing. Like that would be pretty pretty electric. But like like I said, like it could go well, but it could also fall totally flat. I'm not you know sold on AR fifteen by any means, but I love the name. Well, I also know our our boy, Danny O. Orlovsky's a big AR-15 guy. I mean, he's yeah. on Twitter showing highlights of this guy. Look at this throw. Look at this throw down the sideline. And the best part is, like, these guys that subscribe to, like, the, the game footage, the All-22. Like, it shows you down, distance, time, quarter, and score. And, like, Dan Orlovsky's showing these throws. They're down fucking 28-3 to against the University of Georgia. Cut me a fucking break, Dan. I mean, I know you played at UConn. I know you played for the fucking Lions for a hot minute before you ran out of the end zone. But cut me a fucking break, dude. Another another genius at, at ESPN, Dan O. Yeah, he was he was all in all Wentz, and the Eagles would regret it and everything. So, yeah, if Dan O's on it, then it's it's probably, probably not going to end well, but... Let's change gears. We got we got one more bone to give, and uh, Bob, you're you're on you're on a partial season ticket plan for our Philadelphia Phillies, who are now currently on a four game win streak. Took took the first two against Houston, uh, I think a five and two homestand. So they're playing some ball, getting getting on track. Uh, but what have you noticed down at the park so far this year? It's bad. It's bad. Um, 
if you're a Phillies fan and you're thinking about going down to a game, let me just let me just be the first to tell you, don't. Okay, it sucks. Um, I'm a pitch clock guy, and I'm a pi- I'm a pitch clock guy. Let me be clear, I'm a pitch clock guy. I think the game is too long. Get in the fucking box. Let's play the goddamn game. But that that stadium experience fucking blows. Okay, so let me tell you about let me tell you about the day that I had, and then I'll tell you about a day I had two days later. So last Tuesday. Me and the old lady get out of the game. We leave the house at five o'clock. Okay, now I'm leaving. I'm living up in Timbuktu now, G. I'm no longer where I was. You know, so you know, presumably an hour, hour fifteen, that kind of thing. Uh, no, sir. I parked the car at seven o'clock. Two fucking hours to get down to the stadium. I was under the impression people don't work anymore. People, no one works in cities anymore. Everyone works from home. And there's no more rush hour. That's all bullshit. There's more traffic now than ever. So we, we're rolling in, parking. The game starts at 6. That's a new thing too now. You know, it used to be back in my day, 705, 705, 705. Now it's 6.40, you know. 6.40, two, two, two hour, 30 minute game. So 7 o'clock we park, two hour ride in. Okay, so you can tell. Now, I've been gearing up for dollar dog night all day. It's all I can think about. I didn't eat lunch. Because I said I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna try to eat ten, ten hot dogs, okay. And uh, so seven o'clock, we park the car. Now I sit out out in left field, one forty three, and I walk to the right near Bulls Barbecue. There's a line. There's a line that goes down the third baseline to the next stand, uh, the hot dog place. I go, what the fuck is this? So you know, being a veteran, being a guy that's you know been to many games, I turn turn to the wife and I go, we gotta go up, we gotta go up, go up. So we get on the escalator, we go up the escalator, we go up again, we're now in the 400 section. Start walking towards one of those stands. Gee, it's even worse. Oh my god. I kid you not. I mean, the lines were longer. I mean, I don't even know if I have anything to like compare it to. Maybe the lines like walking into the link for like the NFC Championship game. Oh my god. Those were the lines for every fucking snack stand and concession stand at the stadium. So, number one, that's bullshit. You know, you call it dollar dog night, and then you, I guess, you know, I, I do have a problem too with the nickel and dime crowd. Like you know me, like I, 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 I put a ban on the XTU concert many years ago. I said they should have started charging. Then they started charging because when you give something away for cheap or for free, it brings out the wrong clientele. I'd rather pay. Give me a dollar for two, two dollars, three dollars, four dollars. So. It, I've been waiting for this hot dog, so we're, we're, we're not walking around the stadium trying to find a place. There's, there's, gee, it's bad. It's bad. Really bad. So we're out in Ashburn now, and I said, you know what? We're going to Tony Luke's. I don't give a fuck. We're going to Tony Luke's. We're grabbing a cheesesteak. I'm not dealing with this shit. Gee, that line was 25 minutes, okay? Let me tell you about Tony Luke's. So, you know, you pull into McDonald's, you pull into Wendy's, you pull into, you know, Burger King, you look at the menu. What do you see? You see the meals, right? You see, oh, number one, you get the Big Mac for seven bucks, but you want to pair it with a soda and a fry? That'll be eleven eleven twenty. Let me tell you about Tony Luke's. They got the big sign, they got the combos. Cheese steak and french fries, $22.99. Cheese steak and soda, $23.99. Cheese steak, so they go they got all the different things you could get, right? So I'm standing in line for 20, 25 minutes, and I'm looking at that at that big big screen in the chart and the whole thing and sitting there thinking to myself, that just doesn't 
I mean, it just doesn't seem like a deal. I, I mean, I know it's stadium prices, but like, it just doesn't seem like a fucking deal. So uh, I, I, I look at the other side of the menu where you can just, you know, buy the things as singles. Gee, here's what they did. All they did was add the prices up. <laughs> All those cocksuckers did was add up the cost of the fry with the cheesesteak. Here's your total. The, the cheesesteak with the soda. Here's your total. The cheesesteak with the fry and the soda. Here's your total. All they did was add it up. That's the combo. So we wait 25 minutes. It's one lady. They got a, they got the big, you know, the warmers with the cheesesteaks. They got loads of them. I could walk in, tap my card, walk out. Now, we got one lady. One lady who's got the box. She's got to walk around. She's going to get your soda. Then she's going to check you. We don't have two people doing pick up and check out. We have one person walking from the register to the uh, to, to, to make the box, to put the... So we're in line and... You know, my wife's telling me, calm down, calm down. You know, there's no need to get this upset. I mean, I haven't eaten since 8.30 in the morning. Okay, it's the sixth inning of a fucking game. Hangry bomb. So I look at the lady. I said, I'll take two. I want two cheesesteaks. She wants one. She wants fries, but I want two. So now we go up, okay? There's nowhere to... I'm not, certainly not going to get in my seats and try to slam down two cheesesteaks. So now we go up. We go up to the... The Budweiser rooftop, which, you know, if you've been following current events, you'd think there wouldn't be too many people there. But then, you know, all the tables, are it's all teeny bop, it's teeny bop city, you know, TikTokers and Instagrammers up there taking photos and it's pathetic. Okay. And you got every 24, 25, 26 year old girl that thinks eating hot dogs is a personality trait at this game with the box with six of them. So we go up, we eat the che- you know, I'm eating the cheesesteaks, and who do I see walking around the rooftop? Gee, it's alcohol compliance. The guys in the black suits, they're looking around, making sure everybody's checking IDs, making sure, you know, no underage kids drinking. So I walk up to these guys, I got, you know, my second cheesesteak in my hand. And I must have looked like an absolute lunatic, but I walk up to these guys, I go, guys, no, no issue up here. And they're like, excuse me? I said, there's no issue up here. It's a Budweiser rooftop. Nobody's buying any beers this week. You know, go, go down to Ashburn Alley, go pinch a teenager. So the guy's like cracking me up. He's saying, oh, yeah, I heard they fired that lady who's the VP of, you know, Bud Light, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, we're chopping it up, talking a bit. I walk back over to where I'm standing on the rooftop. And the alcohol compliance guys are now in Ashburn Alley pinching a guy who appears to be maybe 18 years old with a Bud Light in his hand. I mean, I never laughed so hard, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was a disgrace. It was, it was a joke. I went a couple days later with a buddy of mine during a business person special, a non-dollar dog day game. Same deal. We went, we wanted to go try the Uncle Charlie's cheesesteak. Line out the ass. It's not, first of all, it's not even an Ashburn Alley, which I think is a disgrace to Charlie Manuel. I think it's, it's, it's a slap in the face to Charlie. The fact that his shop is in an Ashburn Alley. It's actually down the first baseline. But gee, I mean, we got 77 stands of fucking dipping docks. Like, like it's a goddamn River Sharks game, but I can't get a hot dog. Okay. So, you know, I texted a couple guys at Lulu, and one of the guys said, Oh, yeah, I heard they did a shit job at the last one, too. <laughs> yeah. Dollar Dog Night has gotten a lot of traction, I think, in the last year uh, in Philly and on social media and stuff. And, now all I've seen in, in what the two or three dollar dog nights that they've had already, like they've looked like complete complete disasters. So 
I think you got to avoid dollar dog night. I think, uh, you know, I was down at the business person special on Thursday against Seattle as well. Uh, I did a few laps around the, the concourse and, you know, scoped something out for lunch. I ultimately settled on the, the fried chicken sandwich from your favorite federal donuts. Uh, did not, <laughs> did, did not procure a donut for, they took $8. that sign down by the way. <laughs> what sign? The six ninety nine donut. The they took it down. They must have heard the podcast. They I mean, must. Howie have. Roseman's heard the podcast. He's only drafting guys from Georgia and Bama now. Uh, the Phillies heard the podcast. They're not advertising the overpriced donuts. Uh, so we're, we're we're making waves. But yeah, I settled on the fried chicken sandwich. It was good. Line was quick. But yeah, I mean, even for a one o'clock game, you think everybody's working or. You know, it's not going to be totally full, and the, the place wasn't full. The, the lines were still out the door because I went to go to Tony Leaks with some people, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not standing in this. Like, I just waited, waited to eat. But p- pro pitch clock that that was a two hour game, one zero. That that was a two hour game. Yep. In and out. Uh, so in terms of like the drag of a long baseball game, like there was none of that. That, that game flew, and it was it was kind of nice to to get in in and out that day. But yeah, man, dollar dog night is, is a no go. It's turned into another social media fiasco and, and, it's, and it it's influxed with, you know, the, the, this, this young generation that wants to throw hot dogs on the field and, uh, you know, make a content piece about how many hot dogs I can eat and beers I can drink. Uh, you know, it's, it's become a mockery of what it was of just going down to the park, enjoying a few dogs, you know, getting up there, throwing $3 cash. They even take cash. Like, I don't no, know if they no, take cash. You, oh, no, we're a cash. We, but we have a reverse ATM you can fucking stand in line for for another hour. Dude, how can you not take cash or dollar dogs? You, you think that would speed up the process? I, I, don't, I don't know. Gee, I think they got to get rid of dollar dogs and they got to bring back college night. So college night, uh, you were a little too young for this, okay? I went to college night when I was a junior in high school. Okay, all right. They gave out a T-shirt. It just said college. It was like the animal po- animal house T-shirt. I remember college. the T-shirt. Yeah, I didn't have one. And then on the back, it had all the sponsored college nights. I went to the first one. It was in April. It was sponsored by Peanut Chews, the candy. So you get to you walk in, and they had big boxes of Peanut Chews. And I asked the lady, I said, "How many? How many are we allowed to take?" And she goes, "As much as you want." Well, you know, I I walk in, get a handful, but I see people. With back back then, you could bring a backpack in. Backpack slamming peanut chews into the backpacks. Right, this is college night. So Victorino at the time, this must have been two thousand six, two thousand seven, was playing right field for the team. He wasn't a center fielder yet. He made a, some sort of dog shit play out in right field. Well, the peanut chews come wailing down from from the three hundred section of right field. Everyone is fucking trashed. There's a girl who's getting kicked out. Of our section, we're sitting in like, you know, behind home plate. There's a there's a college chick getting kicked out of our section. She can't even walk. She's getting thrown out. Her She chugs her beer. She takes her top off. I turn to my buddy. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. I'm a college night. This is great. Young bomb just living it up at college night. Uh, yeah, drinking a soda. I'm like a junior in high school. I'm not, not certainly not going to test those alcohol compliance guys I talked about earlier. No, sir. So everyone's trashed. We come out of the stadium. There's multiple cars on fire because kids didn't like put their freaking barbecue grills away. They like accidentally lit all a couple cars on fire. The next day, what happened, G? 
That was the last college night. They're all canceled. I was gonna say they had to do away with that after that. Like that they had got to be rid wide. of it, dude. I just I I had that T-shirt for years because it was like such a memento of a great a great day. I only recently threw it out, but uh, but I think get rid of Dollar Dogs, bring back College Night. That's it, man. Um, yeah, let's uh, let let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up, dude. That's. That's wild. Uh, Sixers-Celtics, uh, game one, I'll say tonight, assuming most people will be listening here Monday. Uh, Joel Embiid, Glenn Rivers says, doubtful for, for games one and two. Uh, I went in on it last week a little bit, Bomb, before we heard from DZ. Uh, I resurfaced the clip uh, that you had made last year, the head, shoulders, knees, and toes, another playoff run, another Embiid injury. Uh, we resurfaced that on the Instagram yesterday. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's that's great work out of you. Um, it's just, it, it's another April. It's another May uh, of the same thing. And I, I don't need to rehash it, but just uh, a, any thoughts that, that you might want to share uh, as, as we head into round two here. I mean, the juxtaposition of this organization with the Miami Heat is so funny to me. Like, Jimmy Butler has that historic, and I know you'll talk about him, but he has that historic, you know, series against the Bucks After the game, they, you know, they ask him about, you know, what did you feel when the fans were shading MVP? And he goes, well, I don't know about all that. I think, I think Joel is the MVP. I mean, you can't make this up. The MVP is unavailable. He's unavailable to go, G. Um, it's disgusting. It's despicable. I blame the fans. I blame... Uh, Redskins ownership. I blame uh, New Jersey Devils ownership. Sixers fans support rivalry owners, which is shocking to me. Shocking to me. They want a new stadium. That'll be the new thing. Well, we can't win. We can't win at Wells Fargo. We got to win in Chinatown. So I I just, I I find it hard to believe we talk about this every year. Celtics in five? I I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I, I don't even know if we'll see Embiid. Um, like, I think I read it's like a six-week recovery for, for the injury that he has, typically. Um, so, if we see him, you know, it's going to be limited. Uh, there have been times the Sixers have played well w- without Embiid. Like, I, I, I will say that. Um, and, and the Celtics, you know, they, 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 they fucked around and, and found out a little bit with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, so, I mean, the, the, they, they won't go down without a fight. But, yeah, probably five, may, maybe six. Uh, if they're lucky, but I, what I was really hoping to see, uh, speaking of Jimmy Butler, um, just like the prototypical Philly athlete, uh, that, that we would want in our city and, and we just let him go. We've hashed that out thousands of times on this podcast and off the air. But what I was really hoping to see was, was a win over the Celtics with Joe and the Sixers get the monkey off their back and the heat beat the Knicks and then the Heat beat the Sixers, so they, <laughs> so everybody rejoiced. They beat the Celtics. It's all in front front of them, and then they get fucked by the one guy who should be wearing a Sixers uniform right now in, in Jimmy Butler. So that's what I was hoping for. I think it's a long shot now with no Joe. Uh, yeah, I'll go Celtics in five as it stands right now as well. Um, but I think the closest game of the series might be Game One. So. We'll see what happens. Um, speaking of monkeys off the back, 
Got to give a quick shout out. The NHL playoffs are, are ramping up. Uh, obviously, we'll be rooting for for Ranger Rob and the New York Rangers tomorrow, as as Josh Harris uh, owns the New Jersey Devils. <laughs> um, but also, you got to give a shout out. And I don't even like this team. They they kind of piss me off. Uh, but the the Toronto Maple Leafs finally getting out of round one for the first time in I think over twenty years, taking out the the dynasty that are the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I think I got to give the pick. I didn't do it pre playoffs. I think Toronto is going to be your cup champ. I think it's a wow. I think it's a situation comparable to when the Washington Capitals finally got over the hump and beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs. They went on to win the cup that year. I think the same thing happens for Toronto, uh, and and they go on a run here. So I'm going to get ready to watch Boston, Florida game seven. We got Colorado, Seattle game seven tonight. Uh, should be an exciting night. One more game seven tomorrow before round two. Uh, but anything else uh, today, Sunday afternoon, Bob, you got for the people? Nah, man, just, uh, you know, we're rolling into May. OTA's coming up, you know, post-June 1 cuts. And yeah, we could talk hockey, we could talk basketball all we want, but just, like I, like I led the show with, just just trust in Howie. That's it. That's all I got for you. It's all you got to do these days is, is trust in Howie. But we'll thank everybody for listening we will thank our sponsors at menard premium detailing and we'll wish everybody a great week we'll talk to you next time